somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today is Leonora's day. Leonora, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Thank you, Scott. Happy to be here. So uh, we're going to be talking with you uh, about the uh, some of the, uh, the articles you wrote about uh, the Fed. The Federal Reserve and about inflation. And just for those who are listening, we will still continue doing uh, Literary Corner. It's just that we've been focused on some other issues. But we haven't forgotten about our listener who requested to hear about Ralph Waldo Emerson. So we are <laughs> going to be doing that. And there's going to be other literature coming up. And we're also going to be talking about education more, too. So we have we have a lot of topics. Topics. So the so the uh, Leonora segment is, has expanded. It isn't just literature. <laughs> wow, I was about to panic there for a second. <laughs> panic that there was no Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh yeah, I love him. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. What is that? Did he say that? Yeah. How did you know that? I heard it once in a play, and then I read it. Oh, you're so essay. well read. Uh, <laughs> I did, that one just stuck with you're me. You're so well read, it makes me sick. Um, let's see. All right. So, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about... Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking a lot... <laughs> That's funny, right? <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> I love it when she laughs, though. Um, all right. So I don't know where to start today. Let's see. Um, we have a, a lot going on, though. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening. Um, you got the, the you got this whole thing about M- Moscow being bombed by drones, and then of course the United States. We didn't do it. I have no idea. <laughs> not me. You know, not we didn't me. do Nord Stream two. We didn't do. You know, like the, we have lost all credibility. We have become this mm-hmm. banana republic. It's just so embarrassing to be an American right now, and um, because we've become like this. We become. I think when when Mexico and a bunch of countries in in Africa give us a lecture on morality and ethics and all this that and the other, I mean it's it's embarrassing. But we are getting this lecture, 
And, you know, I, I wrote this piece today. And, you know, this is what's happening right before our eyes. Yeah. Cloward and Piven. Cloward and Piven. Does anyone remember Cloward and Piven? We used to talk about that all the time during the Obama years. Yes. And, man, it's been a long time. Man, we've been doing this for a while now. But uh, Cloward and Piven wrote this. A political strategy. Tell me if this doesn't ring familiar. Cloward and Piven. A political strategy to overload the American public welfare system to the point it creates a crisis and bankrupts the nation, leaving the country no choice but to adopt a socialist communist agenda. And I wrote, Alinsky disciples like Obama and Hillary initiated their plan to overload America with chaos and burden by destroying the foundation of America, which has always been the middle class and Christianity. Yeah. Biden, his ca- cabinet, and cronies are attacking each pillar using the globalist agenda. And they are your uh, they are uh, and those pillars are your money, your food, your energy, and your civil liberties, your free speech, your right to bear arms, uh, your right to defend yourself, uh, your right to uh, equal justice, uh, you know, all of those things. And they rig the elections to keep doing it. They keep on doing it. And the only way that they aren't voted out of office, because nowhere in the handbook have I seen Klaus Schwab's agenda being embraced by any common person. Any common man, the common man, doesn't want anything to do with this constant attack on their civil liberties and freedoms. They just want the government to disappear from their lives. They, you know, all they want to do is do, they want to do their trade, their craft. They want to do it. They want to get paid to do it. And then they want to buy other goods and services with the money they make. They don't need a middleman taking money out of their pocket every step of the way and crushing them and uh, that's what the government has become just this this roadblock to to success and prosperity uh, and it's all about protecting the uh, elite aristocratic class very what true say you Leonora I agree with that completely that it's all about protecting the aristocratic class so you know RFK jr uh, has been Writing a lot as well. And doing a lot of uh, media interviews. Yeah. And you you wonder why that is. Um, because the left really kind of hates Robert Kennedy. They do. They don't believe in his position on vaccinations. They don't believe um, his... They don't support his uh, anti-globalist position. They don't agree with his thoughts about Ukraine. They don't agree with... I mean, there's a lot that they don't agree with. He but is they're what, putting him on their news network, but they won't put any Republicans on, but they'll put him on. Well, yeah, because there's still... I think the people, people have a bit of a curious relationship with the Kennedys because we don't have royalty in this country and they're the closest thing that we've had to royalty but they're also the closest thing to Greek tragedy that we've had as well and when and Robert Kennedy is a, is a Democrat but he's a Democrat in terms of the expression that you've heard before you're, you're you know this isn't your father's Democrat when we're talking about the progressives mm-hmm. well he's more of 
your father's Democrat. He's more of a Democrat in the good ways to be a Democrat. And then he and he comes across as being more uh, centrist on a lot of other issues. And the and that, you know, the 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 pro-vax people are, you know, apoplectic about his uh, stance on vaccinations and his stance on the environment. And then I'll add that to that. His uh, he's anti, uh, as you've just said, he's anti-globalist and he's spoken out about Ukraine. He has basically said, you know, that that there's a difference between going in in a humanitarian mission and basically continuing to, you know, warmonger, which is what's going on over there. Well, he wrote this. He said, um, he said, the most crucial aspect of the immigration crisis is rarely discussed. And the question was, why are so many people so desperate in the first place to leave their homes and countries behind for an uncertain future? You know, I thought that this whole globalist agenda was supposed to make everybody's lives better. Yeah. It seems like everybody uh, that around the globe is running from these globalist leaders. They're running out of Canada to get away from Trudeau. Uh, they're running out of America to get away from Biden and Obama. They're running out of France to get rid of uh, Macron out of their lives. And they're running from Brazil and Argentina and Venezuela because you have these communist, socialist, liberal ideolo- ideologies running the show, increasing, increasing inflation and destru- destroying the quality of life the standard of living, you know, all of these things are happening just like people are leaving on a a micro scale. People are leaving San Francisco in droves. Well, people don't. And New York City in droves. The, The populations in these environments are declining. And the middle class has been decimated. And the haves and the, the gap between the haves and the have nots have grown Exproportionally. It's exponentially. Exponentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, the th- and the thing is... Disproportionally. About, and you, you think about San Francisco, you know, you go, harken back to the late 60s, are you going to San Francisco? You know, this is the place of the hippies and uh, and peace and love and everything, and it, it quickly turned into violence. And you know right what? now, it's, it's a disaster. You go to San Francisco and you see so much poverty, so much homelessness, but then you go a little bit further and you see a great amount of wealth, a great amount Vineyards and Nancy Pelosi's friends. Exactly. And and it's become a a city that people do not want to visit anymore. It's a charming place, but it's charming no more. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Leonore, is that uh, I I saw this picture. uh, It was just like a vintage picture. And then it had me thinking, though, um, because it was from 1930. And I guess that's about the time when the San Francisco Bridge was being built, mm-hmm. bridging the gap between two different communities in the San Francisco yeah. region, yeah. right? And so I looked at that, and I, I looked at that, and I thought, 1930? Shoot, I mean, my dad was born in the 1930s, and yeah. he's still, you know, kicking, right? And yeah. he's still, um, you know, beating me at cards and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. Um, you know, you, you got the... Uh, it wasn't that what I'm saying is it wasn't that that long ago. You know, I, I actually have relatives who I've met in my life that uh, were born in the 1800s. Yeah. That I, when I was 10 years old, I knew my great grandfather very well. Yeah. And um, 
And there he was, born in like 1889 or something. My, I don't know, my like grandmother, who lived until I was 18, was born in the 1800s. But here's the thing. This picture of San Francisco Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, at 1930, yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood, right? And when you think about it, you say, well, that wasn't that long ago. The bridge finished somewhere in the 30s, and... And then they, it really was San Francisco was born, you know. I mean, it was, in, it was founded earlier than that. But of course. It was, it was flourishing, right? That bridge was a statement of, you know, of, of a rebirth of San Francisco. And my father was uh, stationed in Hawaii and in California and while he, during the World War II. And while he was in California, he used to go to San Francisco all the time. It was a wonderful place with cable cars. People loved it. Right. So San Francisco in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s was thriving. Detroit was the richest city in the world in 1960. And then all of a sudden, liberals took over uh, and they got in bed with the unions. And what did Obama do? Obama did the same thing with SEIU Mm -hmm. and ACORN and all these teachers unions that became these militant groups. Uh, Planned Parenthood and some of these NGOs and mm-hmm. outside money like Soros money and a whole bunch of other tricks to uh, create a power block and steamroll over, uh, you know, traditional candidates and took over the power structure and never gave it up. And the way they never gave it up is through the power of coercion. You know, we'll kill you if you uh, cross us. We'll, we'll take you out your family. We'll, we'll arrest you. We'll lock you up. And that's what Biden did to the J6 people. Just yesterday, um, there was uh, the Proud Boys, who I've never been a face, but um, apparently, you know, they're, they're, and I don't even really know who the Proud Boys are, frankly, because, um, you know, I, I think that the Proud Boys I've never met a proud boy for per se. No, I, I think that's met a, a proud label. Boy either. I think that's sort of a label that's been put on people. I think that there's been some infiltration by uh, the FBI. Just like you know, if you look at Watergate, I think there was infiltration from the left that actually instigated a conservative break-in to then take you know create a trap that a lot of morons on the right fell into. And we've seen that here in play with the Trump era, yeah. where you've seen a lot of people um, dress up. They've been lifelong Democrats. I'm not going to name any names. And then they they dress up like Trump supporters, get up on stage, and all of MAGA country adores them. Little do they know that they're being played and like a fiddle. And you got to keep your eyes open, and you got to keep your smarts about you. But San Francisco, they they destroyed San Francisco in just the last 50 years. The last 50 years have been, you know, just complete destruction of a city. And if you don't think that San Francisco and Detroit can happen to America, you know, think again. And that's what I'm concerned about. But Robert Kennedy says this. He says, the most crucial aspect of the immigration crisis is rarely discussed. Why are so many people desperate? 
in the first place to leave their homes and countries behind for an uncertain future? The answer is uncomfortable. In large part, it's, it is U.S. policies abroad that create desperate conditions south of the border. The war on drugs is one. U.S.-funded dictators, juntas, paramilitaries, and death squads. All of these things are run by our CIA yeah. and State Department and USAID. They're all part of a, a militant operation of indoctrinating and overthrowing governments and sleazy, sleazy terrorist-like tactics. Neoliberal extraction of resources, unpayable debts. It is inhumane and hypocritical to deny immigration while creating the conditions that drive immigration. As President, uh, he says, uh, or Robert Kennedy, he'll change these policies, right? Now, any Democrat worth their weight in salt should support that like that. But Democrats today, they do what they're told by the Mockingbird press. They just tell, you know, don't vote for Robert Kennedy. Vote for, don't ro- vote for your heart and conscience. Because they don't have a heart and conscience. They, all they do is they just get spoon-fed. Nobody wins a trophy, and everybody does no, nobody, there's no, there's, uh, with equity um, versus equality, you don't really have to try to win. Everybody gets a trophy. Right. So it's sort of like this, this thing where it's like, they're just going to tell us what it is, and, and we're going to believe them. Um, I don't know how you live your life that way, but the Democrats certainly have to. They must. Because how in the world do you square it? Like, this guy made perfect sense, Robert Kennedy. But I also replied to that. I replied to Robert Kennedy on those, on that particular tweet. And I said, I said that uh, U.S. makes things unbearable south of the border while creating false incentives north of the border, like cheese on a trap. Corporations pay politicians to open the border trap to migrants to profit from their cheap slave labor, passing along part of their profits to the big media to spin it. You know, that's one of the things they do. And then I said this. I said, open borders Open borders is not just about slave labor and sex trafficking. They're also using the CBP-1 app to register illegals to vote, telling them not to. But the registration becomes a ballot. The ballot is picked up and filled out by harvesters uh, and dropped in a box by a mule over 30 days only to be counted as needed after election night results after election night results are tallied and then uh, someone asked can you post a copy of the CBP1 app that shows this and I said Senator Hawley's exchange with HHS Secretary Mayorkas addresses that app in detail where it collects data from illegal aliens and it's like a concierge for illegals. There are hundreds of articles related to illegals on voter rolls. Last last year, and, and then there was a, a guy who tweeted this, last year 449,000, 449,000, half a million people, Californians, received a jury summons to which they replied, I am not a citizen. Therefore, I cannot sit on a jury. A jury. The number one source for summons candidates is the voter registration list. So think about that for a minute. Well, there you go. How no. are they getting that name on the list 
if the person was never supposed to be registered to vote in the first because place. Because we've got corruption in the voter registration process because we're trying to, you know, as we've said before, skew the election towards the Democrats. Well, they're and turning you- these illegals, they're, into, they're converting the illegals into registered voters. They're then using the mail-in ballots and the uh, uh, online ballot registrations. So they're taking the identity of an illegal. They're then going online and registering this person to vote. The person doesn't know that they're registered to vote. The person doesn't have any intention of voting, the illegal. Right. Um, and they would never show up and vote. But what's happening is they're mailing the ballot out to anyway, indiscriminately. And a ballot harvester is picking the ballot up. They're filling it out. They're then dropping it off. They have 30 days to do the process. And then they say, we're not going to count these ballots until after election night results yeah. are in. And then they wind up. Oh, is that the biggest rig in the is that the biggest rig on the planet? Yeah. And, you know, but it's interesting, Scott, because this has been going on for a long time, because I remember when we first started doing the show that, you know, that this that these incidents were happening. It's just now it's just got, it has expanded these efforts because the because to your point, the illegal aliens are technically from this perspective, not really doing anything wrong. Their their identity is being stolen and being put on voter rolls. And those voter rolls are used for jury summons and that what ends up happening is they're like okay i can't i can't i can't be on a jury they know enough to say that yeah (laughs) i mean so i said this uh today i just said this too um i said uh in response to uh that i said uh, rfk jr is fundraising for the dnc from the center left who have stopped donating to the dnc who has gone ridiculously radical left and rogue. Yes, he makes sense, as any rational, thinking, non-globalist, anti-vaxxer would. But just know, he has zero chance of winning in a rigged primary. Just ask Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's really what it is. And then I said this, I said, um, I wonder if RFK Jr. is part of a DNC strategy to increase fundraising from center-left pragmatic Democrats disenfranchised from their own party, much like Nikki Haley, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, Mike Pence, and Ron DeSantis are used by Rana's RNC, Rana McDaniel's RNC, to raise funds from their corporate cronies and regional supporters. So yeah. it's sort of like a, uh, the Amway way, right? Yeah. The way Amway worked was they would get people to sell their product and knowing full well that the seller, that the person that signed up to sell Amway mm-hmm. or any multi-level marketing pyramid scheme is they would get out there, they would sell the product and their biggest, their biggest um, clients would be their family and friends. Yeah. And that's how they did it, right? They, they did that. So they, they would reach out to their family and their friends. So that was a benefit to Amway because Amway would never, ever get access to the family and friends of that seller if it wasn't for the seller, right? Right. right. So that's how they're doing it. And that's how the de- pyramid and the downline works in these multi-level marketing uh, systems. And, you know, you can make the same argument with Black Lives Matter. We were talking about this before the show. And that is um, that the reason why Black Lives Matter was initiated was because 
in the wake of Obama's failures, Black Lives Matter, uh, black liberals were starting to leave the Democrat plantation. Mm-hmm. And they were starting to open their eyes to their brothers and their sisters and their moms and their dads and their cousins and their friends who were conservatives. And a lot of these conservatives would have conversations over a cup of coffee or a beer or at the dinner table and have the ear of a liberal. And they would make sense because they were given the time of day. They were trusted because they loved each other, even though they came from different political spectrums. But we know that the Democrats and the liberal ideologies can't be debated and that's why they don't want to have debates because they're they're defense they're indefensible. So when a conservative and a liberal have an honest discussion, a civil discussion, the liberal agenda they have to almost concede, yes, you you might be right. I mean, this doesn't add up. And I think I am being played for a fool. I never saw it that way. And they have this conversation and more and more of that was happening. So they sent Eric Holder out to Ferguson and exploited the Michael Brown hands up, don't shoot lie. And they, they forged Black Lives Matter. And they, they, they sowed the seeds of racial division, but not just racial. It did start with racial division. It started with political ideology division, putting black conservatives and black liberals against each other, almost like a civil war in 1865, where families were t- ripped apart by the South and the North agenda. Yeah. And they couldn't talk at the table anymore. They couldn't get along with each other. One was a victim and one was a solution provider. One was basically pulling their self up by their bootstraps and playing by the rules and making things work for themselves. And when Trump came along and said, what the hell do you have to lose? I guarantee you that that particular thing was strategized by Kellyanne Conway. And it was strategized to the point where they rolled it out there and it made a lot of sense. And people started asking that question, what the hell, what what do I have to lose? Because it's been bad for so long. The Democrats have lied. And then when Trump, you know, pardoned Jack Johnson and he pardoned uh, Alice Johnson uh, Jack Johnson was the great boxer. Alice Johnson was incarcerated for a long time over mm-hmm. a drug charge. Yep. Uh, you know, and then people like uh, Hunter Biden skate free, right? Exactly. Um, and then you, you got uh, you got the uh, HBCU loans that were given out multiple multi year loans. You got opportunity zones, and you had black unemployment at the lowest rate, or or black part- labor participation at the highest rate. Uh, and people were getting off the sofa. They were working. They had pride. They had dignity. And more and more, Trump got more black vote than than just about anybody yeah. uh, on the conservative side. And this is what it was. But Biden has militarized this, as as Obama did with SEIU and Acorn, which was predominantly black, mm-hmm. and they were rigging elections, and. Mark Zuckerberg in the last election put $400 million into um, black cities uh, that flipped states, whether it was Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Atlanta. 
You know, these are these are predominantly so they're just paying these poor black people and bribing them with money and extorting them and getting them to play ball and doing these things. So, you know, there's a lot to all of this that's going on. But the Cloward and Piven thing is is so true. I mean, it it is absolutely true. Alinsky disciples like Obama and Hillary initiated their plan to overload America with chaos and burden by destroying the foundation of America, which has always been the middle class and Christianity. Biden, his cabinet, and cronies are attacking each pillar using the globalist agenda, and they are your, they are your money, your food, and your energy, and civil liberties. And they rigged the elections to keep doing it. And Cloward and Piven said, a political strategy to overload the American public welfare system to the point it creates a crisis and bankrupts the nation, bankrupts the nation, leaving the country no choice but to adopt a socialist communist agenda. And the only way they keep their job is to keep on getting uh, elected. And they, the only way they could do that with such a loser strategy is to rig the elections. Enter George Soros. He'll fix it. And that's where, you know, he was on stage with Hillary Clinton saying just that. So Secretary of State, we're going to pivot now, and uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, denies that he asked for the letter to be written claiming the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And when asked if he accepts that the laptop isn't Russian disinformation, he says, I'm not engaging in politics. I don't engage in politics. I don't do politics, is what he said. So basically, um, it was not just the letter. It was the letter for the 51 CIA agents, and Mike Morrell was involved, and it's it's pretty incredible. Let's take a listen to this uh, exchange right here um, with uh, Anthony Blinken, the... Uh, the guy that headed up West Exec, the guy that is in control of our foreign policy, the guy that is a uber globalist, the guy that covered up the funds from China to the Biden Center at Penn University, the very corrupt and woke and liberal um, university that is is completely corrupt. Um, their president left. The president of uh, left being president at Penn to be the ambassador over in Germany. I wonder why she gave up all that to get the ambassadorship. Must pay very well. It must. But let's take a listen. I'll ask about the letter that was written concerning Hunter Biden's laptop mm. uh, that said it was you know, Russian disinformation. Mm. Uh, can you explain what your role was in that and if you incentivized it? Well, first, one of the great benefits of this job is that I uh, don't do politics and uh, don't, uh, don't engage in it. But with regard to, uh, uh, to that letter, um, I didn't, uh, wasn't my idea, didn't ask for it, didn't solicit it. And uh, I think uh, the testimony uh, that um, the former deputy director of the CIA, Mike Morrell, put forward confirms that. Mm. Um, do you accept that the, the laptop is not Russian disinformation? Again, from my perspective, uh, I'm not, not engaging in politics. I've got a lot on my agenda, we, things that we've just talked about, uh, trying to help the Ukrainians and the uh, Russian aggression against them. 
engaging with uh, allies and partners around the world uh, and dealing with some of the challenges posed by China. Uh, we have a situation now in Sudan that's uh, fully occupied my time, so that's where my focus is. I'll ask about the land. Yeah, well, Sudan is an extension of Ukraine in certain ways. It's all about mining rights, gold and uh, nickel, lithium and cobalt. Yeah. And that Sudan conflict is the conflict that we've had with Russia goes back decades. And it has to do with Saddam Hussein's oil, believe it or not, uh, running out of Iraq into Africa and into Europe. And they knocked out Mubarak and Gaddafi because they were acting as toll collectors for pipelines going into Africa. And uh, out of, from Iraq and the Middle East. And they were running through Syria, which is controlled as a puppet country of Russia. And Turkey, which is a rogue NATO ally, in a sense, with, um, with uh, Erdogan. And Erdogan and Obama became great friends. In fact, Obama was asked the question, who are the top five leaders uh, he said Erdogan would be one of the top five leaders he considers a friend. So Turkey became a very strategic partner in that effort. And the sad news is is that ISIS was a mercenary group, just like they are now in Ukraine. These fighters are paid fighters. They're paid killers. And they were basically propped up by the United States. And when they were beheading our journalists... That was only to keep this center of the news. Yeah. There was only to center these people like Foley to stop reporting the news and exposing the truth, which was that America is the Obama regime was paying ISIS rebels to secure the uh, Saddam Hussein pipelines in the black market to where the globalist nations were actually. Uh, getting oil on the cheap and it was a conflict a business conflict a, biz- a conflict of interest against Russia and Russia didn't like the fact that they were getting their oil from another supplier when they were dependent on Russian oil going down into Europe and also Russia had interests in serving oil to Africa Yeah. so with that oil coming out of Iraq and being a new supply of oil that was run by the globalists and the rogue politicians, it was, it was impacting negatively Russia's financial interests. And that's why they came up with Nord Stream 2 to increase the production and lower the costs of, of, of sending oil into uh, Germany and France. And so there was a lot of conflict there going on. And it's why people like John McCain and Lindsey Graham would spend so much time over in the Middle East. And part of the way that these things were done is in order to to uh, reinforce, in order to, re- they, first they were running guns and weapons and gold and money out of Benghazi, which was a CIA annex and a mission. Um, they were running that to fuel ISIS to protect this oil. But they were also then sending arms and and ammo to Ukraine and laundering it. Because then what would happen is Ukraine would send the weapons 
to the Middle East so that ISIS could use them. And the money that they would get in return uh, would go into the politicians' pockets. It was laundered cash. And there was uh, three layers of it. A lot of laundering went on in Cyprus and and, and, and Latvia and Montenegro and all kinds of different places. There was so much corruption. And then they were planting bioweapon labs in Ukraine and right off the shores of Moscow, right? Right Right across the border. And so Moscow and Russia is not supposed to be upset. What would you do if you actually took a drone and fired at the Capitol building or the White House? What would America do if Russia did that, right? Because that's what the United States just did with the drones in Moscow to take out Putin. Because isn't it, Lindsey Graham, didn't Lindsey Graham say, we need to take Putin out, we need to kill him? Didn't we say that we need to get rid of Nord Stream 2 one way or the other? And next thing you know, poof, Nord Stream 2 goes away. I mean, this is just a bunch of terrorism that's coming out of the United States. Because what's being done is not being done through Congress. It's being done through rogue politicians that are getting their palms greased every step of the way. This is all black market stuff. And people like Mitt Romney and his fixer, like Kofor Black, who used to work for the CIA and Blackwater Mercenary Group, are doing these rogue operations. They have the know-how and the wherewithal to do it. They have the connections. Let's take a listen to this. But now we know uh, that he lied to Congress as well. Remember, he was Deputy, Deputy Secretary of State under Obama. Uh, we certainly had interested in interviewing him during our investigation. He canceled that meeting before the election, but because he wanted to be Secretary of State, he did agree to sit down for a transcribed interview in December of 2020, and he lied to us. We asked him point blank, did you communicate with Hunter Biden via text or email? And he said no. Well, now we have emails between Hunter Biden and Anthony Blinken, plus his wife. Her name is Evan Ryan. Didn't make that connection. She also worked in the State Department. She was basically acting as a conduit using her personal email between Hunter Biden and Anthony Blinken, in one case, trying to set up a phone call between Blue Star Strategies. This this is the lobbying forum for Burisma and Anthony Blinken. So again, we're, we're just starting to peel back more and more layers, but it certainly shows that Anthony Blinken, you can't trust a word that comes out of his mouth. He lied to Congress. He set up that massive fraud. He should resign immediately or he should be impeached. Senator Johnson, um, when Mr. Blinken sat down with you, quote unquote, <coughs> was he under oath? Yes, he, he was. He under was, oath. He, was made, he was made aware of the fact that lying to Congress is a crime, and he said he had no reason to lie. He had no reason not to be truthful. He was not truthful. He did lie, which calls into question all of his testimony, where he denied talking to Hunter Biden or having any knowledge about his workings with uh, Burisma. So we need to follow up with Anthony Blinken to find out what he really knows. And we need all of his records and his wife's records as well. What do you think of that, Leonora? You just heard Blinken say, I don't do politics. I don't do politics. I wasn't involved in that at all. It sort of sounds like he does politics. They have a letter with his name on it. With his name, and and they used his wife, Evan Ryan, yeah. I mean, yeah, and Evan Ryan, and some people were suggesting that Evan Ryan was doing a little bit of the uh, hoochie coochie with Hunter. Uh, You know, who knows? Uh, Who suggested that? (laughs) I was suggested. (laughs) What? I have my sources. You have your sources. Okay, yes, it was suggested. 
Well, they both they both met while they were working as White House staff members, uh, Evan Ryan and Anthony Blinken. But yeah, no, I I, I think that you when somebody well, I mean, I mean, when somebody uh, by makes the way, Hunter a, Biden slept with his uh, dead brother's widow. Well, we've we're, we've all I mean, heard it's that. not like he's not you know above that. No, no, and you know it's not like he's above that. But uh, but apparently the uh, illegitimate child doesn't have a stocking. Uh, grandchild doesn't have a stocking at the White House. <laughs> so crazy. we're still waiting to hear hear about no, that. No, the the Biden the Biden crime family is is. But this is stuff we've already knew. Like yeah. we knew it. But what we're trying to do, folks, you know, we're not trying to just like beat a dead horse or repeat ourselves over and over again. Yeah. But the fact is, is that if we don't repeat ourselves or we don't continue on with this and just yeah. give it up and say, um, you know, there's been so many frauds. We gave up on Benghazi. You know, they spent 10 hours with Hillary and they couldn't get her on it, right? <laughs> and she, she was guilty. Of course she was and, guilty. And, um, and the same is true with, you know, all these other things, like the Ukrainian call, the impeachment hoax, the Russian hoax, all of these things. We've been saying, like, actually, we've always been right about these topics. We absolutely the, have You been. know, like, I don't have any egg on my face. I, I don't remember the last time I'm like, wow, I got that one completely wrong. I mean, maybe a minor little detail, but for the most part, you know, we've been spot on on a lot of this stuff. Meanwhile, you know, the only way they're in power is election rigging. And when they rig the election, you think that they would just be like not so aggressive, like just grateful that they actually pulled off rigging. Um, But they didn't do that. They're aggressive as hell because... They know that they have a limited time to get all this stuff done. And uh, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana says, destroyed Department of Energy secretary exposes climate change fraud by asking one question. Kennedy, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral, how much is that going to reduce the world's temperature? Now, he's asked this question before. And... With uh, other people, and nobody has an answer for this. You know why? Because climate is a hoax. It's all about slave labor. It's about the new world order. It's about setting up bricks to be the manufacturing arm of the new world order and setting up G7 to be the innovative research and development patent-friendly arm to that invents things, the overeducated uh, uh, intellectual arm of the new world order so basically the g7 creates the blueprints uh the BRICS co- countries will manufacture the blueprints and and then uh and and also offer up the supply side so then there's the consumption side with the aristocratic elite g7 so that's the new world order right and that's what klaus schwab is pushing because what a utopia it would be to have Things made on the cheap, never mind the the inhumane treatment that these slaves are going to get, like the Uyghurs in China or in India, where you have these slave labor markets. And basically these kids working for $20 a day rather than these latte-drinking, spoiled little brats that go to these Ivy League schools that aren't willing to get their hands dirty at all and won't work for less than $50 an hour. You know, manufacturing is dead because of climate regulations. 
You try to set up a manufacturing, you have to give all these permits, all these regulatory uh, restrictions, and you have to get past all this just to make a widget. And the reason why they're doing it is because they're trying to block you from screwing up their arrangement. And it's the corporate greed. It's the corporate. It's driven by corporate greed, and the corporate uh, profits go into the pockets of the politicians who are pushing these agendas. Open borders is a policy that's being financed by the corporate greed and the profits that they get from the slave labor that comes through our southern border. And the politicians are the ones that keep getting the donors. And with the, with the other set of their profits, they buy up advertising in the mainstream media to where the mainstream media is never going to actually say something negative that's going to get them in trouble with the dollar. So they're getting paid to carry the narrative water for the corporate greed, for the corporations who are paying the politicians for policies that go very much against what the middle class population would would want. And that's where we have taxation without representation. That's where we have this crushing of the middle class. And if you don't think that inflation is part of it, then think again. And by the way, there's another angle to this. There's another bank that's collapsing. But let's take a listen to this. Uh, uh, There's another bank that's collapsing. And these bank collapses are part of a plan. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the United States of America, how... How much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, is it going to reduce world temperatures? So we're 13% of global emissions. You don't know, do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13% of global emissions. If you know, why won't you tell me? If we went to zero, that would be 13%. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion. And you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the deputy secretary of the Department of Energy, and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality, and you can't, and this isn't your money or my money, it's taxpayer money, and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures? Or you won't tell me? You know, but you won't? In my heart of hearts, there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the U.S. leads. Tell me how much it's going to reduce. You you can't tell me. Either that or you won't. And he can't. And they never do. So here, check this out, Leonor. And then you're going to talk a little bit about the Fed. Sure. Market cap of publicly traded regional banks in January, $475 billion in May. Okay. Or in January. Okay, so listen to this. Okay, check this out. Market cap of publicly traded regional banks in January was $475 billion. That's the market cap. All right. In May, just five months later, $100 billion. They lost $375 billion in market cap. That's a 78% loss. That's enormous. In just four months. Regional banks about to go extinct, which First Republic was just bought out by J.P. Morgan. Everybody's saying that was a great uh, win for J.P. Morgan, right? And that was by design, which was likely planned. 
So here, listen to this again. Regional banks are about to go extinct, which was likely planned. They managed donations to Ukraine using FTX who funneled campaign donations to globalist politicians, then used the collapse to regulate and control central banks and their digital currency. They used climate and COVID as the excuse to cut energy and drive up inflation to induce the Federal Reserve to raise rates that ultimately collapsed regional banks, creating global monopolies on your money and advance CBDC positions. So this is, this is what's happening is they're doing this on purpose. They're, what they're doing is they're creating inflation on purpose by cutting your energy in the name of climate and they're uh, also um, cutting out, you know, they caused inflation because of the COVID lockdowns, knowing full well that when they move the restrictions, remove the restrictions, it was going to be like people were going to have all this money in their pockets, like the drunken sailor syndrome, and come to shore with a wad full of cash and buy everything in sight, right? And it was going to create this inflation. And by doing that, they were going to get the Federal Reserve to cut rates. And they've, it's an unprecedented amount of cutting that they've done. They're probably going to pause now. But for the, for the most part, the Federal Reserve never raised the rates this much ever in the history of time. And that has had an impact on weeding out. Just like COVID killed off the elderly, this Federal Reserve hike actually has the impact of weeding out all the regional banks to where uh, only the dominant strong banks can survive. And it's sort of like Hitler with the Aryan race. They only want the strong banks. They're going to be playing ball with the globalists and controlling your money, which will eventually control your speech, your right to bear arms, and everything else in between. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we want to talk a little bit more about this in the wake of things that have happened and also two recent book reviews I did. So this, as we know, the uh, Fed just raised the uh, rate again, uh, you know, within the 5% to 525% range, which puts the, uh, that, the rate at um, the discount rate at the um, same rate as inflation, because inflation right now is at about 5%. So, and what they're trying to make the argument about is that we need to, we need to manage inflation so that we can keep job growth. And, and on a certain level, it's working a little bit because we just got a jobs report that just came out. We've got 253,000 new jobs added, which is be- which beat expectations. But there is also a slowing that is starting to happen. I recently, as we were starting to say, did two book reviews about – one was about the Federal Reserve, a book by a um, – a New York Times Federal Reserve reporter, uh, Gina Smiliak, that was called Limitless, and it was the Fed in, in, in the Age of Crisis. And then the other book I did just this week was called "We" by Stephen D. King, who is a British economist, economist that's called We Need to Talk About Inflation, 14 Urgent Lessons from the Last 2,000 Years. And what was really interesting about this book, uh, Scott and I, is, you and I talked about this off air, is he brought up some really good points about inflation. Uh, he talked about de- deflation and that how we have, yeah. that there has been 
a, a deflation bias, a bias against deflation, and that, you know, the concept that we cannot have falling prices, that we have a zero tolerance for that. And this author, this economist kind of thinks that that is wrong and that this has created an inflationary bias. So when you think about this, it, what they're basically trying to say is that we're tolerant of having prices going up, be, but because we're we're afraid that people are going to lose jobs and that's the bill of goods that has been sold to us but the reality is we could have tolerated some deflation we could have tolerated some lower prices and that would have benefited the consumers more and the other point i want to make which has been made by both of these authors is that the fed has got the fed not just the federal reserve in the united states but also the central bank in europe has gone far beyond their mandate they are in terms of making taking control of situations where they are deciding what is right and what is wrong. Um, they're acting as the referee, and there are a lot of cases in which, to the point you were making earlier, where some of this could have been you know pre preordained. They're setting themselves up as the arbiter of when something is in disorder, um, and that 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 there is time for us to put in place a mechanism to keep things out of disorder. But this brings into mm. question the whole issue of what actually constitutes disorder and who actually has the right to decide that an economy is in disorder. Wow. That's really well said. That uh, point that you made about deflation was quite interesting. I never had heard that before. Yeah, um, Charlie Kirk wrote this, and I just wanted to finish up the show with this. Uh, the Kremlin attacked by ar- uh, by armed drones, risking a- escalation with a nuclear power. This is what the week that was. The Kremlin attacked by armed drones, risking escalation with a nuclear power. A massive banking collapse where 50% of American banks may be insolvent. Protesters trying to ruin a man's life because he dared to step in and protect the public from a madman with 44 priors in New York City. The U.S. military missing its recruiting goals again and again and doubling down on woke and stupid by uh, stupidity by enlisting drag queens. We're going to get to the rest of this here in just a second. Uh, Joe Biden caught up in a pay-to-play scheme involving bribes from a foreign national in exchange for policy decisions. IRS whistleblower coming forward to incriminate Merrick Garland for blocking an investigation into Hunter Biden. Anthony Blinken committing brazen election interference by colluding with 51 former Intel officials to lie about Hunter Biden's laptop just weeks before the 2020 election. And the left wants to talk about a friend of Clarence Thomas who had no business in front of the court helping put a kid in need through school. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravota. And visit Spectator.org for my articles about the Federal Reserve. We'll see you next time on the video. Just to bury my kids right up to there.